Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio with the Reverend Dr. Michael Berg, professor. Now, let, let's just make very clear that I don't have a PhD because that's in the news right now. Well, it's a PhD in my heart. It's a PhD in my heart, yes. And and I'm okay with that because I never wanted to be... Or, I didn't have a chance uh, to get a PhD. That was a great article I shared with you, though, huh? <laughs> yeah, I had read it right before you had, uh, but just to fill in, like, some dude from Northwestern. Um, no, he, he, like, taught way back where with with a bachelor's degree at Northwestern. He isn't still he But so he teach. knows education. And uh, uh, Mrs. Biden, Dr. Jill Biden, has a, a professional it's doctorate. EDD, I think it's called. A professional doctorate. Yes. So there's there's the professional path, you know, like an MD or like a dentist is a doctor or a pharmacist is a doctor. I'm a doctor of ministry because I wanted to be yeah. a better pastor. But I think this guy was saying like anything that's not an MD doesn't matter. Right. And so then, then the other path is, you know, like a PhD. So, you, so a medical doctor could then go get a PhD in certain medicine where you break new ground or whatever. Right. And for sure, it's a little bit, it's, it's, as I say, it's the JV doctorate or whatever, but then he's going on. I'm like, he's really slamming Jill Biden, which was, I don't know, like, why are you doing this? And that her doctorate was made up and stuff like that. And that only a medical doctor should be called a doctor, which totally uh, misunderstands what a doctor. Right. Means. Cause the word doctor means teacher. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, so I feel Jill's pain, you know, so, and I try, uh, I do, I admit that it's not a PhD. And so I'm fine. I always try to bring that in. Just make sure I'm not, don't give me more credit than what I, uh, I want. Well, and I do have a PhD, but it's not from Northwestern. So I, I bet it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't, count. doesn't count. Um, but I'm here with the Reverend Dr. Michael Berg, uh, professor, JV, high school teacher this semester for some classes, yeah. uh, podcaster, speaker. Just recorded all some around, speeches in all, Texas. All around good guy. And and author yeah, uh, with a yeah. with a book coming out. And uh, we have, this is actually our fourth episode in a series we've been doing. Um, and at this point, I think our listeners have heard roughly zero of those <laughs> episodes. Um, the first one has been kindly produced by um, Michael's oldest daughter. I don't know if we're supposed to name her or not. So Abigail. Uh, to Abigail, so we thank her. Um, but we need to get it posted, um, and so we will be working on that. Um, the series is probably outdated because it was entitled, I, I came up with 11 points that I shared with Mike um, under the heading or the title, Why America is Losing Its Mind, and, and really I think over the, the three weeks we've recorded these episodes, it's, it's got its mind back. It seems we're doing all right now, Michael, yeah? I mean, it. everybody seems... Yeah, perfectly I mean, good. You know, we're all taking this vaccine. We're we're, we're looking, looking out for each other. Well, and we're looking, we're open minded, looking at all possibilities, like martial law. Right. You know, yep. do, everything's on the table. Right. You know, yeah. so families aren't fighting about if they should gather or not for uh, for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, no one is saying that someone else isn't a Christian because of who they voted for. I uh, it seems. Pretty darn peaceful. Yeah. I hear people are having trouble getting the PS5. That's uh, that's unfortunate. But otherwise, 
I think we've pretty much got our mind back. So this might be a little bit outdated. But today we're going to be looking at, uh, well, so far what we've looked at so is... So the, the title is, Why America is Losing Its Mind. Yes, yes, and Mike wanted the subtitle, and did it ever have one. Um, <laughs> but one was, we're not liberal enough, and we should be. And that's dealing with liberal versus illiberal, not liberal versus conservative. Two was, we've forgotten history, or never learned it. I just lost sound in my you're, headphones. You're good. Just keep going. You sure? Yep. So you tinkered with it, and now going, I don't Keep going, because I you. lost it. Now we're good. Go. Okay. Um, three is partisanship is hardly new, and media partisanship is hardly new, but it has been exacerbated with technology. That was a long one. Mm-hmm. That was too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and then four today is going to be information overload has led to soundbite engagement with important issues and with other people. Um, so that's what we will be talking about today. We are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. Um, be sure to look up uh, 1517.org and see all the good stuff that they have going on over there. I know we shared on our, 15, uh, on our uh, Facebook page, um, they had their Giving Tuesday, it's always Tuesday, right, drive, which I'm sure a number of you gave to, which helped them meet their number. Um, and those, uh, those gifts go towards the podcast, the videos like Mike has done. Um, podcasts like we do, <clears throat> the blog posts, um, the courses, all the different resources that are available through them. Uh, and so we appreciate those of you who chose to support in that way. If you did not, um, we understand it's a tough year. It's a tight year. Um, and uh, we appreciate that uh, you're supporting us by, by listening and downloading and sharing. Mike, I think I hit on a lot. Anything I left out other than uh, the disclaimer? No, um, they do have at 1517, they got a bunch of videos from the last uh, Here We Still Stand 2020. Um, so search 1517 on YouTube um, and you can you can find out uh, a lot of stuff there. Good resources for, for everybody. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot, so approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism. Because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. And that brings us to what would be our free-for-all. I don't think we have a traditional free-for-all question, but I f- figured I told Mike, well, let's just let me take the lead. We'll talk about a few things as we're uh, here on break and leading up to the Christmas holiday. Um, I know this will probably be coming out after Easter, but we're leading up to the Christmas <laughs> holiday right now. Um, Mike, anything you noticed differently about me today? Not one thing. What, what did I message you this morning? What time did I get here? Oh, that you... you get, On a not class day. Yeah, you were here before 8 o'clock, I think, maybe. Yeah. It was very good. I got up very early. I've been... Uh, guess what time I've been going to sleep on average lately? <laughs> I, t- I checked my Facebook. 
6 a.m. Yeah, that's my not sleep healthy. schedule has not been. Yeah, not it's not healthy. been good. That being said, I have learned so much about true crime. Yeah, yeah, it's you, been a. So I, I think about this a lot because I am definitely go to bed at a reasonable time, get up. I'm here, um, not always the first one on our floor, but first or second on our floor. Although actually, um, sometimes third. We've had some early risers. Yeah. And Who's fifth, I wonder. Out uh, of the department. Yeah, I don't know. You're out of the department, you're second to last. Yeah, but the other person's part time. Yeah. He doesn't teach so much but later. But he he rolls in late. He's a he's a late yeah. whatever. So um I'm always on time for my obligations, so let's make that. That's true. Yeah. Um and I, I think to myself, I you know, by the time Wade gets up. I've probably done all the work that I needed to do today. I think that's fair normally, yeah. However, um, I'm the type of person that says that gives give me what I need to do and I'm going to get it done and then I'm going to be done. But I don't, I have more output than input and that's dangerous as a professor. Huh. So you may not be as, let's just say, disciplined as I am, but you're going down rabbit holes that I should go down. Not all the rabbit holes you go down, I should go down, but I should go, <laughs> I should go down more rabbit holes. And so I do think I about that. I got down one the other day on ducks. That, and I, uh, <laughs> but you don't want to know. Ducks are like dolphins. Oh, man, I, I know. Uh, but I think, you know, who's more, who's more productive that way? I wouldn't say I'm more productive. Yeah, I would say I, I can be pretty productive at night, like after the kids have gone to sleep and stuff. The problem is I found, like, rather than going to bed at, like, 1 or 2, like, going to bed at 6. That's bad. Yeah, because then you got to get up, like, the uh, the next day. And uh, so I'd say I've pulled, like, three all-nighters in the past month. That's and the, not good. You know what the best part about an all-nighter is, though? Hmm. It is like the 7 or 8 window where you've, you've made it. You've made the commitment. Yeah. You're to the next day. The problem is, like, noon. Yeah. And then you want to sleep till like nine at night, right. and then guess what you end up doing? Staying up late. Staying again. up till six. So, uh, it's interesting. We should have we should have like a nurse or somebody from the nursing program come on here because it is those cycles are interesting, right? Yeah. And um, and the like, only way to break it is with an all nighter and a lot yeah. of caffeine. So, like my twelve year old daughter right now wants to get up early. Yeah, that's something wrong with her. <clears throat> like. And I said, she just says, I want to, I want to get up. And I was that way when I was that age too. And then I said, that'll change for you. She's like, no, I'll always be a morning person. I'm like, trust me, when you get to be a teenager, things will change. And it is funny how there's different types, you know, older people like get up at like four in the morning. Although I had one couple, older couple that was, uh, they were both, I would go visit him. They they probably could come to church, but they probably shouldn't. I would go visit both of them on a monthly basis, and I'd set up for like I'd be there like I'll come come over at like ten, and they're like, mm, can you make it eleven? We sleep until and I'm like, you guys are in your eighties and you sleep in. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, you should. They're um, I, maybe they had a nightlife. I don't know. Uh, so some people do buck the system. Yeah. Well, so it, I mean, it worked out well. I uh, and I even thought I messaged Mike like, hey. Not sure if you're gonna be at the college. I'm up pulling all nighter. If you want to record, whatever else. And then I, uh, he said, "Oh yeah, I'll be there 7:45 to two or whatever." Because he's always very 
like he does his job, mm-hmm. right? Like this is this seems pretty unpatriotic to me, but <clears throat> uh, and so then I'm like, oh, I'll bring you breakfast, and uh, he said no. Well, so we had, had a chance to share breakfast together. You have to understand that I by that time I had already been up like two and a half hours. Yeah, but I just feel like when. Of course, you I mean, I hope I can call us friends. I, when a friend offers <laughs> offers breakfast, you accept that yeah. offer. Yeah. I didn't want you to go out. I had to have way. my McMuffin by myself. Yeah. Well, next time you just buy me something. And don't yeah. ask. Maybe I'll do that. Then I'll eat it. Then I'll feel obligated to eat it. I went to Burger King first, but they didn't have what I wanted. So then I went to <laughs> then I went to McDonald's. I wanted to try the Impossible Chris Sandwich. Really? That doesn't sound nice. It's the... I know. That meat one. I know. And uh, so I tried the I tried the Impossible Burger. It's once, good. But the one I got was it was cooked all the way through, but it was let's say not as hot as it should have been, and so oh, I'm kind of yeah. turned off. But then once they didn't have that Burger King breakfast, it is way apart. Yeah. To McDonald's, so so, so uh, let's say uh, now that the vaccines are out, mm-hmm. right, and uh, you don't mind. You know, Bill Gates implanting you with a microchip. Mm-hmm. I don't mind. I don't mind either. Um, of all of the big tech people, I would trust Bill Gates the most. He does seem to be the. Like, I mean, he's definitely the most philanthropic. Because obviously, it's not like, oh, I choose or not to be. I, I choose or not to. Uh, it's not like I have a choice of whether big corporations are going to be able to track me. Right. So I think it's a choice of do I want. Google, Apple, Facebook, or Microsoft. <laughs> and I think I, even though I don't, I think I would, I think I would go with Bill Gates. No, Bill, I, I definitely and Melinda are by far. I think the Apple the nicer ones. vaccine would be um, packaged nicer. Yeah, sure. Probably like unibody, unibody like, you know, uh, um, construction for the uh, syringe. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't trust and, the and, fake, and Facebook probably, vaccine at all. No. I mean, the Apple stuff would, you know, there would be a lot of updates, regular updates, right. which would be nice. Right. And like probably more efficient, yeah. probably more efficient. Right. Um, but ethically. Really smooth operating system. Ethically, I probably would go with the Microsoft yeah. chip. So, you know, you're okay with getting the microchip. Um, I'm not a big fan of my DNA as it is. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> totally if it changes. Fine. If it changes, it changes. Yeah. Um Trying to think of what else is wrong with the uh, the vaccine. Mark of the Beast. I've heard some say that. I don't yeah. know how that one works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so you get vaccinated. I get vaccinated. Um, some other Americans get vaccinated. Those who don't want to go to heaven um, and are not um, willing to fight for their country. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> the, we're able to do stuff again. Mm-hmm. What is uh, what is the thing you'll be able to do again that you don't maybe haven't thought about the most so far that you've really missed a lot, but you think that actually would be one of those things when you're able to do it again, you go, I miss this. Um, so I, for a while, we, we've been in Milwaukee going on our fourth year and I know Milwaukee. My wife knows Milwaukee, but my children don't. And so we were... Th- thinking last summer things had settled down, you know, we're both in our grooves and the kids are a little bit, you know, settled or whatever that we would like the art museum 
go downtown. That's a good choice. You know, all those kinds of things. And then that kind of got blown up. So um, I'm thinking hopefully, I don't know if it'll happen this summer, see how um, how many people get vaccinated. <laughs> um, but You'll do, know if they you, are because they'll be walking zombie-like. Yeah. Them. So, um, you know, I'll program my chip to... You know, I think we can have some, we have some autonomy with this nice chip, we right? Do. Like I we, hope so. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that I, get, I have free will, but I'm guessing that I, I don't really want that anyway. I, I'm guessing that I can make suggestions right. to Microsoft or whatever, you know, who, I mean. Probably write a letter to Joe Biden. Say, would it be okay today if right. I was allowed to go to the art museum? Yeah. So that's, that's a good answer. I, yeah. No, I think that's that would be something that I would be like normally this time of year um we'll we'll go ice skating as a family. That's not going to happen this year. That kind of stuff. Yeah. And and to travel, we've 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 three holidays in a row we've planned stuff and canceled, so probably do that too. I think those are all very good answers. What about you? Yeah, I um I mean, we're saying stuff that wouldn't be on top of the list. So obviously, I like to see family more mm-hmm. or whatever else. Um, but uh, you maybe get back into a groove of going to the doctor because I noticed that no, you like going happen. to the doctor and being a healthy guy. I only go guy. to the doctor and, if it's my yeah. knee is like my leg is bent backwards, or I need my microchip. <laughs> we should talk. We should talk. You know who didn't have doctors? Most of human history. Yeah. And the doctors they did have did terrible things to them. Yeah. Like drilled holes in their head and poured milk in it. I'm thankful for medical progress. I just only want it in extreme situations. Mm-hmm. Um, That's very wise. So, some people, this sounds crazy, but some people would say if you go to the doctor on a regular basis, then you will have a less chance of getting to those extreme and very painful and ex- expensive situations. Yeah. That's why I go to Jesus mm-hmm. on a regular basis, Michael. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you're probably right. Um, what would I do? I, I think uh, something like bowling. Yes, that's good. That's I don't good. know that it has to be specifically bowling, but like something in a setting of... So there is, if, if, if like you, a sport that's not, that you're not doing super competitively, sure. it could be for all I care, cornhole or whatever right. you, what do they call it? Otherwise, uh, bean, bags, bean bags, bags and yeah. whatever, um, or a bocce ball, whatever, but something that like is not super competitive and something you can do while socializing. So there is, there is a bar that has a two lane bowling alley underneath. Like old school, like there's a guy back there. Houston, where pens. my wife is from, used to have a like a three or four lane bowling. And it's kind of like now, like a, you know, one of those Milwaukee things that you want to do. And we we did that a couple years ago. You, oh, have you done the duck bowling yet? No, I haven't done that either in Milwaukee. No. So anyway, that 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 would be maybe an outing someday. We could do. That also brings another free for all for down the road. Best sport we roll things. Yeah. When you. Bowling, bocce ball, cricket probably cricket to an would extent. Cu- would count. Well, I don't think you roll stuff. Yeah, I you think we give a broad it. definition. Okay. But you do stuff underhand. How about that? 
They don't do underhand stuff in cricket, do they? Don't you throw the ball underhand in cricket? No, you throw it down. Oh, I thought they had to throw it underhand no. like girls. No. Not like girls in a bad way, but like fast pitch softball. I mean, yeah. Which I'm a big fan of. You are. Which also men can also play, but. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's nice. What's your I, stance on cricket? I don't really think it's a sport. Well, I don't understand it, so I'm gonna. I'm not gonna make a judgment. It seems like people got bored playing pickle. <laughs> and like just try to add a couple elements. I mean Which pickle was a great game, but oh, it was yeah. like a sport of necessity. You, right. Because you didn't have enough players or you, you didn't have a bat. Or you didn't have yeah. a bat or something. Yeah. Um No, I before I'm I look down my nose upon that sport, they're doing that without gloves. You know what I mean? I suppose. It's kind of like you know, it, it's kind of like the 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 rugby of of baseball like football and rugby are somewhat similar and like holy crap those guys are doing it without pads uh you missed a telegram discussion about this a few okay. weeks right. ben and i hashed this out okay i'll look back <laughs> all right it was one of those things at like four in the morning uh ben usually is off by midnight at okay. least and then all he right. leaves me alone and that's when i kind of like post a bunch of memes for you guys read in the morning because in the back of my mind it, it brings you happiness in the morning right it does I, I look through you know what this is what i do here's a good free-for-all real quick because then we got to move on free-for-all like what are the first things you look up in the in the morning so here's what i do i go i'll look at um email i will look at the far side they have their own website now get gary larson sends me yeah. sends me two comics I still look up Gene Veet's Chronic, just don't really often read the Which articles. Which is different but, than Dr. Dre's. Yeah. And then um, I'll look up, go through the news feeds. Like I'll start at CNN just because like, we've talked about this before. I like see if there's like a volcano or an earthquake. Yeah. CNN's got that first. Reddit? No, I don't. And then uh, probably probably there's some, there's some ESPN, Detroit Free Press, sports page okay. kind of things. Um, then Telegram and see what you were talking about last yeah. night. Yeah. Did you see the the thing I shared that every time the Lions lose, some guy in a, this Lions group I check out always posts, and it's like a lion jumping over the Detroit River with like the Renaissance Center in the background in a rainbow, <laughs> and it says, "I want to die." <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> every loss that shows up there. Yeah. Anyway, what do you? What are the first? Give me, give me the first three you look at in the morning. Um. Often I wake up in barely just enough time to get where I have to go. So <laughs> I usually turn off my alarm, um, and then I will um, check my email real quick. Like if it's school year, so that I know if I have like students who are like, oh, I can't be there, whatever. Um, I got rid of my social media, so I don't have any of that to check. Um, yeah, and then I mostly get up and then usually even though they know that's when i have to get around one of the kids is in the bathroom even though we have three bathrooms um and so then i yell to my wife not at my wife but i vent to her about my frustration um and then i shower and then i have to wear shorts to school because i don't have any more time mm -hmm. to be prepared to put pants on because that takes longer at least twice the amount of so, time. So, but the original question is, what, shorts, what, do you, what do you look at? Yeah, just I usually just look at my alarm clock and then generally hate life. Okay, that was pretty boring. We're gonna, I'm gonna 
stop this and get to something a little bit more interesting. All right. Podcast here, our string of <laughs> you mean our main topic. Why America like is losing the, its I'll mind. I'll take this. I'll take this. I, I was very confident. Yeah. I'm like, I'll take this. Punch the button. <laughs> know exactly our, what I'm going to uh, say. Podcast. <laughs> we're back for our thing that we're doing here. <laughs> we are doing a series on why America is losing its mind. Uh, we talked about why we're not liberals anymore, and that's a bad thing. We've forgotten history. We talked about partisanship. And now we're talking about information overload. And too much information, uh, we've talked about this before, that sometimes too much information is a, or I should say, the access to information is a good thing. Right. But the more, the more access you have, the less you know that information. That's a, those things go hand in hand. So... Uh, we may bemoan the internet and stuff like that, but the ancients bemoaned the book, right? Because right. you didn't have to memorize things anymore, or at least you didn't, uh, you, you didn't, you didn't, uh, that was not the main way that you would learn kind of thing or whatever. But th the internet is a little bit different. And Socrates was worried about the written yeah. word. So there, there's, it, this is nothing new is what we're saying. So what do you mean by information overload though? Because that's a little bit more... Uh, too much information huh. to the point where you can't even process, maybe. Yeah, and, and I think, I mean, you, you put it well when you mentioned, you know, too much information in the sense of not knowing what to choose. Um, you know, part of wisdom is is being able to um, apply your focus well, right? Um, to choose where to begin an inquiry. And uh, it's kind of like a, a true crime story, right? I've been watching these. And sometimes you'll have the case where there's just no evidence, and that's really hard, right, for for the detectives. You've got no leads. You need leads. But then sometimes you'll have, like, the one where they put something out to the public, and they get, like, 30,000 calls, mm -hmm. and it's more than they could possibly track down, and they end up, like, you know, dealing with, like, a 1,000 of those calls that are, like, someone who thinks their kind of odd uncle could be the suspect, and they're clearly not, but they got to run down all these leads. Um, that's what I'm getting at, somewhat with information overload. We're kind of bombarded, and uh, it becomes very difficult to decide what to focus on or what to to consume. Um, and so it becomes very difficult to focus. Um, you know, if you're on the Internet, you'll oftentimes see people, uh, you know, type out, TL, I think it's semicolon, DR, too long, didn't read. Um, sometimes maybe you have the experience, I know you do, Mike, where someone sends you a video in Telegram, and you're like, this is a 15-minute video. Do I really 
want to give this video 15 minutes of attention. And, and I, I have a feeling that 99% of the time when it's for me, you don't. I don't. Right? Yeah. And that's part of what makes it kind of fun to share stuff too is, is in the hope that one day you'll really miss out on something that you'll, you'll regret having missed out on. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, right when you're bombarded by stuff, it becomes very hard to have a protracted interaction with information and that can be in any form it can be the written word it can be um uh you know television it can be uh um video on your phone um but to really engage with something i think even uh you know um you see these memes that go around and there's been one lately i don't know if it's a meme or just a saying that people say you know i'm watching my big screen um, while playing on my small screen for rewarding myself for working so hard all day on my medium screen um, with people working from home. And um, I find that even, you know, when you're watching television or something and you're watching a show, even a show you like, how often don't we have our computer out or our phone at the ready? It's just very hard for us to engage with one thing when there's so many options. Um, I think we see this um, in the school setting where... You know, if students are assigned to look into something, uh, people might say, well, Google's made such, such stuff so much easier. But has it really necessarily? When we were younger and we had to go to the library and you had to pick a couple books and really kind of engage with those books to find out if they were going to be helpful. Now you Google something and you get thousands of um, potential sources and it becomes really hard to tell what might be helpful or not. And as you go in those sources, you might have hundreds of hyperlinks. Um, that take you to somewhere else that you might want to track down, so much so that you have a hard time getting back to where you you started. Um, the challenge with this too, then, is that a lot of things have simply been condensed. When Google first started um, uh, scanning a, a ton of books, right, uh, and, and violating copyright in many instances, but they got away with it. Um, everybody thought this was going to be great. They're trying to make all the world's libraries available to people. But what Google was really scanning those for in their own interest um, was to be able for people to search and to engage with passages from those books. So it wasn't that the average user would look up a book and then they would get the book on their computer screen and read the book, um, but they would get snippets from things. They could find the quotation or whatever they wanted. And what that did was it already it broke up text, mm-hmm. right? So that your engagement became with perhaps a paragraph, seldom even maybe a full page um, of what might be a 400-page text. <clears throat> We've seen that in um, in the news. Um, if you think of even cable news when it you know came out um, originally, there was still some element um, of longer engagement with stories, um, less stories definitely being covered all the time, or at least not as much of the ticker tape next up breaking news mm-hmm. think of how many times in a day if you watch cable news breaking news comes up and ask yourself was that really how many things merit that we're going to sound like old guys right now but if it was 1987 and there was flashing breaking news it was earthquake someone very important died king kong's fighting godzilla <laughs> something something very large yeah and if, if god forbid they entered inter- uh um, broke into the football game, it better be <laughs> super important, right? And uh, But even what cable news has become is in many ways just sound bites, right? Here's 
um, which is what feeds into people being able to do whatever they want with it because you take 30-second clip from someone. Um, but that's made its way um, to network news, um, local news. Uh, think of how people engage with music now. Seldom did they engage with the whole album. But I, I remember the days, I'm sure you do, um, you know, where you listen to an album and the album was arranged in a certain way. It was meant to be an experience. Now it's iTunes or Spotify and you get the songs you want. And that's yeah. fine. Yeah. And I love Spotify. Um, but it's a different, in almost every way that we have access to information or to media, um, it's been, because there is so much available, it's been condensed because too long didn't read. Yeah, I can remember. I still today, there's there's a certain couple Led Zeppelin songs that when I hear them, I automatically go into the next, the next song, song that should be coming, and yeah. I'm like, that's, that's, that's off that black dog didn't come after, yep. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so in general, what I want to get at with that, the first point, um, is this condensation. The second point with it, basically, I, I, I just want to get a little bit as we go. Can I maybe interrupt before you get into it? Cause you're going to take a turn here. I just okay? was, I'm just going to mention okay, go free go speech and how that plays yeah. in, but go ahead. Um, Something that I wrote a few things down here. Um, one, we've mentioned before that you do have a balance between the gatekeepers of information and access to information. Um, you, you have to have gatekeepers. There are always going to be gatekeeper, gatekeepers of information. It, it, it just, it is the way it is, you know? And people might say, well, no, there's no gatekeeper with Google. Yes, there is. It's yes, called is. Google. <laughs> right. And and probably even more so than Walter Cronkite. Right. The editors of, you know. So um, it, it I think it's more of a choosing which gatekeepers are you going to allow to filter your information. Um, the other thing, um, sometimes a, a lot of what you're getting after here, too, it, it boils down then to communications over content right something's packaged because it it's good communications and then the content suffers we talked about that before like you can learn how to do an awesome speech and we've heard people great teachers great speakers but they weren't worth listening to because there was no content there uh we see that a lot with preachers um here's one though that i thought of as well is we don't allow ourselves to be bored anymore and uh silence and boredom are underrated when you're bored you have to think you have to start right. thinking about those things and because we don't allow ourselves to be bored or let me put it this way we don't allow our children to be bored anymore that uh that hurts their future intellectual capacity to think things all the way through anyway go ahead no, and I, remind me to come back with the boredom and the silence, um, as well as the ability to focus, because I do think their Christian tradition and the liturgy have things to teach us. Um, and especially even just in connection with Paul saying, as he talks to the Corinthians about worship, he says, one of you speak at a time. Mm-hmm. Right? We can't have three or four of you speaking at the time. If someone's going to speak in tongues, all right, but it better be one in t- at a time with an interpreter, right? That this is... Edifying. That the hearer, the well-being of the hearer is at mine. And this is what gets to my second point, is that we might think, um, we might underestimate the damage that information overload does to the hearer, right? Um, There is a, a good content, good communication 
um, owes the hearer respect, but um, also owes the hearer, um, it needs to be intelligible. Um, no, I like, I like what, let me, let me start. I like what you're going here. You're connecting free speech to St. Paul, uh, talking about, uh, too many people speaking in, in church and in, in the early church in Corinth. And you're after the idea that free speech is not just a right for the speaker. Right. Which is usually how we think of it. But it, it is also, it's primarily about the, and to put it in vocational Christian terms about the neighbor the hearer we want to protect the hearer and we're not saying oh misinformation we're we're talking about you just being able to speak for yourself has no point when it comes to free speech or saint paul in the church right it's a curved inward thing we're talking about the good of society that means the hearer right so free speech is the hearer is allowed to hear this point of view. Right. Okay, so go. And, and connected to that, too, that's not to say, too, I'm not only saying with that, that edifying speech should be able to be, that biblical speech or something like that, um, but that a linchpin of a Republican democracy, um, of a free society, um, is that you're going to be exposed to different arguments, that you're exposed to the marketplace of ideas, and then you're able to listen to them um, and to make wise decisions. And when, when all we get is prepackaged um, sound bites, um, maybe even prepackaged sound bites that are carefully prepackaged so that they have nothing that challenges us, um, the hearer is worse off. Democracy is worse off. The same as in the church, um, the hearer is worse off when they're not being fed with the whole counsel of God and they're just getting platitudes um, or market-tested sermon series. Um, the hearer needs to be challenged. They need to grow. Um, and so information overload... And the result of that is unthoughtful sheep, lemmings following you. And so information overload, um, whether intentionally or unintentionally, uh, certainly unintentionally when it comes to, um, as you said, the the internet and and the blessings it brings, we can do research now that we wouldn't have been able to do 30 years ago without flying across the world. Um, but um, these things, whether intentionally or unintentionally, um, have done harm to the hearer and her or his ability to focus, to discern, um, to be challenged, and to actually want to and, and, and welcome being challenged, um, to defend their positions in something more than sound bites or bumper stickers. Um, and I think this has become a real, and this is not e- even just an explicitly American thing. It's a, it's a 21st century thing, but I think it's um, pronounced, especially at this time uh, in America, um, where something needs to fit in a tweet or in a, if you're lucky, 122nd um, piece on TV, um, or um, you know a. Uh, what do you get? Maybe one one page of engagement with people for mm-hmm. before they give up or don't give up in written text. And and this is true in literature too. Books are getting shorter. Font is getting bigger. Um, the average reading level is being lowered um, because we're simply not able to. And and this is true of me too. I remember when I used to sit down and read a book. It was fantastic. Now I read about ten minutes and then I. 
I pick up this thing, mm-hmm. my phone, and I just got maybe something changed. Yeah. Like, I know, I know, like at where my wife teaches, I see like the stuff that's on the walls and the classrooms or whatever, and they, they concentrate a lot about building stamina and reading. Like, can you read five minutes? Can you read 10 minutes? Can you, can you build up this stamina? And I think that's what you're, what you're after a little bit. Yeah. And I just, I, I throw it anywhere you want to go with that. I don't know that this has to be a super long one. No, but I, but I, I really, think it's an important I one. really dig the idea about free speech being for the hearer as much as for the speaker, right? Um, because what, why should I care about, why should I as a human being care about free speech? Is it really just so that I can spout off my opinions? That I don't think that's what are th- that's where people who are in history concerned about free speech. That was not their primary concern. Their primary concern was the people as a whole, access to information, yes, um, but also truth. Right. I mean, that's what we're finally after is And that's truth. what in traditional Western sure. liberal versus illiberal thought, the idea is that, that you have it out, you talk enough, and you're going to hopefully winnow your way to the truth through yeah. all those. So it's kind of like, you know, which kind of dystopia are you going to go down here, right? One where it controls something or one where we give up control of ourselves, right? It's those like are, 1984 versus 451. Right. So it's like, it's, it's sort of... I. I I wonder, I I don't know enough about dystopia, but there's two dystopian models. One is where somebody takes it away forcefully. The other one is where people give up their freedom. Entertain us. Willingly. Yeah. Um, And the threat has always been about, especially in the modern period where we had nation states, tyranny, war, the the visible threat would be the the government coming in and taking away our ability to fill in the blank a very real threat but i think there were enough people out there who said the actual real threat is that we would give it up ourselves oh. and i'm not that that can be that can go down really bad paths both of those things and to conspiracy theories and, you know, militia <laughs> stuff like that. But the, f- but that we would give up our ability to find truth under the guise that we are, that we are following our own destiny, our own path by finding our own truth is backwards, right? right my ability to get to truth, it does not equal my ability to get to my truth. And we are in the second form of dystopia. And so uh, I think a lot of what we're going through in this series could be distilled down to that, right? Whether it be like too much information or um, prepackaged information or, uh, being illiberal where we started off this series only listening to voices that are partisan in our favor all of those types of things are much bigger threat to liberal democracy than i would say for instance communism or marxism something like that yeah 
The um, and along those lines, like too, like maybe an an armed citizenry. Okay, I get the argument. Right. You have to have an armed citizenry. Wherever that lies, I get that argument. An unarmed citizenry, and what I mean by that is unarmed with the intellectual ability right. to is far greater a danger yep. than whether I have a rifle in my in my closet or not. Uh, the bigger question is, what do I have in my brain? Yeah, and uh, I guess the the last thing I just bring up with it too, it, it you know something that comes up um, for a lot of people in their in their fields or professions or people studying their majors, um, in different ways people will talk about autonomy, right? So in those going into medicine, when they talk about autonomy, they're talking about patients um, being informed of what the procedures are that might be done, the risks, um, the possible benefits. Um, in business, we might talk about autonomy and talk about the fact that um, there uh, there needs to, to some degree be um, protections for consumers that they are aware of if they might be getting ripped off, right? If they're being sold a lemon. Um, <clears throat> but autonomy in, in general, right, is the, the ability for self-governance. Now, in a theological sense, um, of course, we recognize um, we were bought, we're not our own, we're bought at a price. And yet, as we, we operate in the kingdom of the left in our daily life, um, there is a great measure of self-governance. Um, and, and this is something... Um, that I would say you could even argue arguments for autonomy um, could be, uh, you know, supported by, for instance, uh, the book of Genesis, the early chapters of of Genesis and of human value and the respect we ought to have for human beings because autonomy means that we ought not be um, unduly coerced in areas that we should have self-governance, that we ought to be valued. <clears throat> Immanuel Kant, for instance, says you should never use people as an end, um, right? That this is uh, basically don't use people. Um, someone might say, well, who does it hurt if I choose just to get soundbite information and just to get it from this place? Or it hurts you, right? Your ability to self-govern is then compromise. You're, you are shutting yourself off from... Um, information that could be of benefit to you or to your your neighbor and there's in uh some might say well i already know what i need to know and and pretend they have this confidence and that's why they don't need to be challenged well if it's confidence you would welcome being challenged right um i would say often it becomes laziness or fear and i know this can be very true for me as well i'm, I'm not holding myself up as a pinnacle of anything um <clears throat> for any of this but if we are going to to self-govern individually and to self-govern as a country, uh, and I'm especially concerned about this um, for our future because we let about anyone vote. Did you know that, Mike? Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and uh, you owe it then to your neighbor to be informed if you're going to be um, casting votes on things, um, if you're going to be influencing policy and uh, you owe it to your neighbor in the church to be informed, um, to be able to have educated discussions with them, um, to be able to hear them, and then to be able to answer with uh, meaningful answers. And and so this distilling of information, uh, it it's like now um, 
you know, I don't know, when we were in high school, Mike, if we wanted to cheat, you actually had to put in some work usually. <laughs> right? But now, I mean, I don't know how many kids, they'll they'll honestly say, and God bless them for saying it honestly, it's better than lying. I just Google everything. Right. Um, most parents, if they heard that, would be upset because they would recognize you're not learning then. Mm-hmm. But most of us, if we're honest, as adults, we just we're Google coasting stuff. in the same way. Um, and so... Uh, I think um, part of the reason we're we're losing our mind is because we're we're losing our ability to engage in a protracted fashion with some issue. We joked about the vaccines earlier, and I during break I joked with Mike about how many emails we get from whatever side of the people upset. The fact is, if you're listening and you're like us, and maybe you've spouted off some stuff about the vaccine, and you've gotten that all from sound bites. <clears throat> What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Convincing someone to do or to not do something based on some memes you saw and a three-minute soundbite <clears throat> from your favorite news network and what someone said at your in your friend group. It, what are you doing? Um, think of how many issues we could apply that with. But now everybody in the world is a, is, a, is an epidemiologist, is a theologian, is a historian, um, <clears throat> you know, is a... a um, oh, what do you call a lung doctor? Pneumologist? No. Some with pneuma? Sure. I go to an asthma doctor. That's the only doctor I regularly go to. Um, but, uh, right, everybody is these things. And what is it based on? When was the last time someone sat, re- that you sat down and you actually read and, you know, um, this is an RNA, uh, mRNA uh, vaccine. It's going to change your D. De- well. Yeah, we don't, we don't know we don't know enough about DNA to make those. Those. This if you ask me, if you really push me, what's DNA, Wayne? I'd be like, oh, I sent mine to Ancestry.com. It's like, what? Um, well, and, that, and that's, I know we've talked about this before, too. Uh, such a frustration in the scientific community as, as every discipline that, you know, that their research paper that was dutifully researched and put uh, under the microscope of a peer review journal by the time it got to your news feed it's been such jumbled and so jumbled and made this headline package to say science has proven that whatever and the original author is like no there's so much gray area right. here we You've don't simplified know this way too much to to be able to i mean there there when we talk about dna we have helpful pictures like information or a computer that changes we're saying let's rethink this now that we have more information so you know joe schmo down the street who is spouting off these kinds of things you got to be careful there right you got to be careful Although he's surely done his research right but even if he had here's the other thing you know more than just sound bites i kind of get a little irritated too when someone reads one book and it's an expert right Right. So I read the whole book and now I know everything about um, how to pick stocks or um, about education or whatever. Um, I have a lot of that in my life where some mildly educated people. Right. And I'll put myself into that category. I'm mildly educated. Um, So I want to be careful here, you know, but I, I think. We both have done enough education to know, wow, a lot of this stuff we're just kind of 
grasping in the in the dark at. Yeah. And I joke with vaccine stuff, but this can go both ways. This can be those who right out of the gate were, you know, 100% sure you have to get the vaccine. This is the safest thing ever, whatever, uh, based on no study. This can be the people also who are, um, I'm not, not the ones necessarily who are reticent, but those who are like, oh, this is Bill Gates microchip, right? <laughs> um, it's just acting without information. And, and this is where, too, I think, honestly, long protracted engagement with something, I found at least the more I study something, the less I realize I know. Mm-hmm. And there's a real health in that. The more you know, the more you know you don't know. And and that's you don't get that in sound bites because the, you don't get enough engagement with it with a sound bite um, to be challenged. A sound bite is almost by definition overconfident. Right. Because you. And what are you supposed to do with a bite? You consume it. Yeah. It's there's there's overconfidence there. Uh, right? Inherently. Um, yeah, and and so I think. Um, you know, I, I just... Because no soundbite ever says, hey, things are still up in the air. Oh. <laughs> right? And that's, not, and that's not to say everybody needs to be reading 100-page, reading 200, 300-page sources. Yeah. That's not to be saying everyone has to watch um, all documentaries all the time. Uh, it is simply to say that at a certain point, we've maybe got to give up on the too-long-didn't-read response to almost everything. Um and engage a little bit more. And I know we can because we can binge whole seasons of shows. Sure. And track the plot line and empathize and be drawn into the characters. And know every detail. Right. Um, but part of that, too, is the challenge. We also need to have avenues to be able to do so. And maybe we can end with this idea, go back to the idea of boredom and silence. And, and you. And here, yeah, the liturgy, I think. You is, mentioned that the, the, the history of the church and the liturgy is very helpful, that I think for a very long time, church has become a soundbite, right? Right. Um, it is market-driven in a lot of different uh, congregations. And it'll bring in the money, and it'll maybe even do a lot of good, um, but at what cost, right? And you and I both, when we engage, especially our juniors and seniors in classes, um, I think they're frustrated by that. They're frustrated by the shallowness of the church. Right. And... Um, there, there's with a handful who also really love it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, th- there's it, so the idea like this kind of line that we were fed, high school, college, seminary, early ministry. You know, you have to do this in order to be relevant, which usually boiled down to uh, being shallow, mm-hmm. right? And you, you and I could see the writing on the wall that this. This is not sustainable. It's not sustainable for a liberal democracy. It's not s- sustainable for a confessional church. Um, and I think there are people that are eager and hungry, starving for both in their, in their civic life and in their church life. And so, you know, what, what would I suggest and not, you know, what would I suggest and then not live by? <laughs> Um, would be um, you don't need to have all the information at your fingertips all the time. Like the stuff that you need to know right now, the headline right now, let's be honest, you're going to forget in 45 minutes anyway. Not has to be a buffet. Have some time for silence. Um, Hear the quietness, especially, I don't know when this Which the liturgy has built into it, yeah. 
that this will this will be outdated by the time it comes out but especially in advent and christmas listen to the silence um take a page from mary who pondered these things uh you know sit down and it, it's you don't have to get through the whole bible in a year kind of thing just just read one thing very slowly really engage the text for that week read read one book very slowly uh listen to one documentary maybe just cut it down and find something where it's quiet you know this is where i think it's healthy to have somewhat of a uh, uh, a hobby where you're doing stuff where your mind can be free to think gardening yep fixing and it, bikes and, and that's a good point mechanic, it doesn't always you know, have to be engaging a text or a show either it can be time consciously i mean just something to think right yeah and let it go i mean just go you know even taking an hour walk let your mind go um you'll you'll think you'll think clearly um and you'll remember some of the stuff that you did read or watch or listen to and it's yeah I, i get in the same way like I have to know everything about this one topic, especially to be a teacher. I'm not quite sure that's always very, makes me a better teacher. In fact, sometimes probably not. Um, I need to stop and think about these things. Um, I I know that I'm more engaging and I think the students are appreciative when we, when we do talk about one thing and, and, Say to them, the other things are important, but we're not gonna we're not gonna deal with them this week or this semester. And we're gonna talk about and think about this thing to help you get practice for talking and thinking yeah. about the other things. Yeah. That was good. We should end it. Okay, sounds good to me. All right. Um, hey, thanks for listening. Um, until next time, let the bird fly. Every evening when the sun goes down. Get with my party and I begin to cry I don't care what the people are thinking I'm not drunk, I'm just a tanker I set them up, another round I set them up, another round I set them up, another round One more round won't get me down